0: When a patient is sitting there looking at a bill and then looking at an explanation of benefits and they don't match, the patient loses confidence in the system overall.
1: Hello and welcome to Cast. I'm Susan Morse, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News. We're talking today with Seth Cohen, who is President at Cedar. Welcome, Seth. Nice to have you. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, first, can you please tell us about yourself and about CEDAR and what it does? Sure.
0: Well, you, as you noted, I'm the president of CEDAR, um, based in Los Angeles, um, but travel frequently to see clients and and, and team members. Uh, we are focused on the patient financial experience at CEDAR. And so that means uh, you know from the moment you've scheduled an appointment to the moment you've walked out of the building- Um, There are moments of interaction with that healthcare um, encounter that involve paying a bill, understanding what you're expected to pay, verifying insurance. And that is often, um, I would say, less of a focus um, than the clinical experience in the past. Historically, that's been a bit of an afterthought. And patients are truly impacted by the quality of the financial experience almost as much as the clinical
1: one. Um, we've heard that. I've seen the studies where patients say, unless they can, you know, pay, they may not even visit a doctor if they don't have the means to pay. So in general, what are the challenges for patients in the billing experience? I mean,
0: My gosh, yeah. what, are,
1: what are the pain points other than, you know, having to pay the bill?
0: Well, I think, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but one <laughs> of the things that is good to start with is that it's different now than before. And so I think that it requires a real examination now more than ever. And the reason is because high deductible plans have been by far the fastest growing insurance product in this country, right? And the average patient balance has grown by double digits over the last eight to 10 years. And so before, 10 years ago, you maybe were dealing with $20 to $30 co-pays. Now you're dealing with $4,000, $5,000 deductibles that often end up with surprise bills. So there's a whole new dimension now to the patient financial experience as compared to previously. And so, oh, go ahead, Susan. You're going to
1: No, me. please. I, 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 please go on, Seth.
0: So with that context, some of the pain points you asked me about, number one is estimating and anticipating the cost of care, um, you know, there's been a lot of dialogue in the past couple of years around price transparency. But I find that sometimes that conversation narrows insufficiently around what is the allowed amount for the service. So in other words, what is the what is the amount that the insurance company is contracted to pay? That's not often a relevant data point for a consumer. Consumers don't necessarily care how much the insurance negotiated this encounter for with the healthcare system. What they want to know is how much they're going to pay out of pocket. And so sometimes we lose sight of what the consumer really needs in that context of conversation, and that's a big pain point. I think the second really big pain point is when the bill does come, um, you know, patients don't pay it. Um, in fact, we find that around forty to fifty percent of all patient balances are not paid in this country. It's kind of a staggering. You mean
1: not paid ever, ever.
0: So So if you've written
1: off, health systems and payers have to write that off.
0: In some cases, some of our clients write off eighty to ninety percent of what they're owed. Oh, these are enormous. Enormous balances. And and the frequently the conversation goes to, well, that's because healthcare is so expensive and patients can't afford it and it's affordability. And our a strong conviction is it's not. Uh, now, to be clear, affordability is a challenge. I don't want to be dismissive there. But patients absolutely want to pay their bills, but they are confused. They are getting multiple bills from a system. They don't understand that a bill might come from a staffing agency or a, or a professional that's not employed by the hospital. They don't understand that. So they're wondering why they're getting multiple bills. They don't understand why they don't match the explanation of benefits that comes from the payer. And they certainly don't know that they have options to pay these via payment plans or there's financial assistance programs. So there's flexibility that they're often unaware of. And so it becomes so overwhelming. They just give up.
1: Well, that raises questions and comments for me. One (laughs) thing, um, the medical bill, it doesn't come with interest rates usually, does it? In other words, if if I get a bill from my hospital or provider, it tells me to pay this amount. But unlike a credit card bill, it doesn't say if you don't pay by such and such a date, you know you're going to start incurring late fees.
0: Correct. But if you don't pay by a certain date, then they often will send you to a collections agency and your debt is delinquent. And then your credit score is impacted. And there are other penalties outside of interest rates and late fees that you end up absorbing.
1: I was just wondering if perhaps patients put, you know, they have things they have to pay, the rent, the mortgage, food, of course, that everything's gone up and other bills that come with these high inflation Inflationary interest rates now, and then here's the medical bill that's almost like this friendly thing that says, "Please pay this." Basically, and it, sometimes that gets put put off. Perhaps have you found that's the case? That, that it is
0: absolutely true that you're less motivated to pay for something you've already received.
1: Got it. So that's, that's exactly the issue. They've fair. gotten it. Okay. But I would not
0: say that that is a primary barrier because you, you can you can say that and leave that as kind of an excuse to kind of give up on this. But what we have found over and over again in our research is that patients are enormously grateful for the care that they have received. They are tremendously appreciative of the work that the providers have done to help them recover from a major event in many cases. And they want to pay. They genuinely want to, but they are struggling to find convenient and clear paths to do so.
1: And I want to get to that in just a second about how providers and payers can work together towards that end. But you mentioned something else that's interesting. When I go to buy anything in a store, I know what it costs. And obviously, patients don't always know you have sure. something done. Um Are you finding that if they know what they're paying up front, in other words, if somebody can tell them, here's your procedure, and there's supposed to be price transparency now, but that doesn't tell them, here's what you're paying out of pocket. It just says, this is the price of this, you know, to have your appendix out or whatever. But it doesn't say, this is how much you're paying yourself. Do providers, are they able to give these out of pocket costs up front?
0: Price transparency is a very challenging topic. (laughs) We could talk about this for hours and it's hard. And I worked in a previous life at a company that was building cost transparency solutions. I was there for nine years. So I I know a lot about this space, possibly too much. It is hard. But my point earlier on, if we focus on what the consumer needs, there are actually ways to get to not, I wouldn't say easy, but very um, kind of immediate solutions here. So what do I mean by that? If we focus on what the consumer owes and if you have an out-of-pocket maximum of, let's say, $500, Mm -hmm. you're being admitted to a hospital, you're in Maine, so let's say you get admitted to Maine Health, right? It's highly likely that you're going to hit your out-of-pocket maximum. So we could tell you, Susan, you're going to pay $500 for this visit. It might be an appendectomy that costs blah, 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 but you pay $500, right? So there are many examples of healthcare events that we can predict with certainty and clarity. And one of the things I'm really excited we're working on is not just price estimates, but price guarantees, finding moments of care where we can, with confidence, say, you're going to pay this much because that consumer piece is often more predictable than the overall allowed amount.
1: And is that upfront or after the fact?
0: Upfront. No, the idea is that we're going to tell you you're going to pay $500, you pay this now, you will not get a bill. You're done.
1: So they know right before they go in, let's say it's That's an right. elective surgery, they know what they're going to be paying. And
0: again, you can't do this all the time. And in all cases, often in healthcare, perfection is the enemy of the good. Yeah. But we can absolutely push forward scenarios, right? Subsets of care events that work well with this.
1: Okay. And now I want to talk about what you were starting to say about providers and payers working together. How can they collaborate on this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, again, topics that I have a lot of <laughs> passion around. I'm trying to see very i hit the right person yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, no, because I've, I've worked in this space for 15 plus years, and I've often noted how the consumer is thrown in the middle of a very uncoordinated relationship between payers and providers. So what do I mean by that? Yeah. Patients go in and get care. They leave a hospital, a health system, a provider, and now they're in a moment of recovering from some major care event. And in that moment of recovery, they are getting information from different entities that is not coordinated. The provider is sending a bill and the payer is sending an explanation of benefits that in no way is assured of matching that. In fact, we found about one third of the time, the payer EOB, that explanation of benefits, does not match the bill coming from the provider for that care. Third of the time. I say this, by the way, to a lot of experts in the industry, and they're often surprised that it's so low. They think that they don't match even more of the time. So, I mean, we're really (laughs) dealing with... Tremendous fragmentation, and when a patient is sitting there looking at a bill, and then looking at an explanation of benefits, and they don't match, the patient loses confidence in the system overall. You know, uh, what we hear very clearly from patients is, well, if they don't match, I'm not paying it because clearly they've got some work to do to sort out and reconcile. And so one of the opportunities we have found is that we can bring greater coordination here And so what we've done is we have contracted with many payers, and we are getting information about the EOB, deductible balances, financial account balances like HSAs, HRAs, FSAs, and we're putting that information inside the provider bill. So now if you were to go into you know, one of our clients like Providence or Align of Health and you receive a bill from them, inside that bill, you're going to see your EOB from your health insurance company and we're going to match them for you and say, Susan, you know what? This bill's ready to pay. It matches your EOB. And by the way, you owe this much because you haven't met your deductible with your insurance company. You still have $500 left to pay. And here's your HSA balance from health equity. We have shown that and displayed that here for you as well. So we're really excited to bring that information in one place because right now the consumer needs to ping pong across many different sites to get that.
1: Got it. Have you found that this has stopped um, patients like myself from uh, throwing all the bills in a shoebox until I get them all, <laughs> and then starting to sort them out to pay them? Is this helping with that? Uh, it I mean, absolutely. I've,
0: yeah, it absolutely is. We we launched our uh, kind of first. That we we have kind of a uh, this this iteration I just told you about on our payer integrations we launched we went live with it with Allegheny Health and Highmark back in October of last year and so already we are getting feedback from patients just showing tr- I mean you wouldn't expect to hear delight from patients around a bill I mean, we're sending <laughs> bills but we are getting verbatim feedback. that is like thank you so much I couldn't believe this information is in one place we are seeing increased collection rates we are seeing much higher patient satisfaction rates so. It's, um, It's been very, very exciting.
1: I know you call that the payer intelligence layer. That's is right. that correct? How yeah. is that working out? I mean, as far as, um, you know, ROI for health systems or Highmark and Allegheny Health Network, can you tell me anything about how they're doing with this?
0: They're doing great. Now, because we launched in October, we are trying to be disciplined, to way to give kind of formal announcements of the, the results until we have a little bit more time under our belts. But already the trend line is pretty clear that it is yielding higher collections and better patient set. Um, and we're adding, we are we are launching a number of these. We've got a number of really exciting launches here. And at this point, you know, probably by the end of the year, we'll have contracted with the majority of health plans um, in the country, which is, or the, I would, I should say, the 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 majority of consumers covered by health plans, we will have under contract.
1: Excellent, Seth. It's been a pleasure speaking with you for Cast. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me.